Road man, it's the one, it's the only, Tyler Hamilton. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back. It's another Roadman Cycling Podcast. How is your Wednesday going? Uh, it's a long-form podcast. It's my favorite day of the week. And I've got some absolutely amazing long-form podcasts lined up. I am backed up on long-form podcast and long-form podcast requests. I have people getting that want to get on and be interviewed. I have people on my hit list that I really want to reach out to and talk to. But today's interview is just one I really wanted to share with you from this summit that we had just last week. Most of the interviews from the summit, they're going to go into the vault and I will make an all access pass available where you can get back access to those. But I just need to lift my head up and just not say the word summit for a few days, as you can imagine. So today I wanted to drop one of those interviews that isn't going into the vaults that I'd like to share. And I want to share it just because one, it plays well as a podcast where a lot of the presentations from the summit, they actually need that visual representation because they're PowerPoint slides and the speaker's referring to a lot of stuff that he's going to point into. Well, this one is a chat with myself and my buddy Tyler Hamilton. And you know, Tyler's a great guy. He's been on the podcast before and he has such of a there's such a depth of cycling knowledge. On today's chat, we talk about the evolution of coaching through the years. Tyler was lucky enough to be a part of cycling at a time when coaching went through a very transformative experience. I nearly like to refer to the coaching world as before the power meter and after the power meter, ADBC. And Tyler sat right through that and he was right on the cutting edge of that. And I think he has a unique perspective on the bits of ourselves we lost in that transition and there's stuff that we mentioned time and time again on podcast because we're in a culture where people do want fast cures quick fixes quick dopamine hit from social media posts but it's difficult for them to reconcile that with a sport cycling where patience is rewarded where perseverance is rewarded where solitude is rewarded and in the culture that started with that advent of the power meter and now has been extended to trainer road zwift strava and some of the great gadgets that are empowering us to go further and have better training and better monitoring of our training we lost a little bit of ourselves in that transition and i think it's incumbent upon each of us to just reflect on what we've lost and figure out actually what really makes a bike rider and try and plug that back in that's a fascinating chat with tyler so i hope you all enjoy it before we go any further i would ask you to please consider heading on over to patreon.com forward slash anthony underscore walsh patreon is where you can buy me a point coming up to christmas so you know what anthony thanks for the hard work all the way through the year daily podcasts you're grinding it out like a gooden and in return for that i would like you to have yourself a christmas pint of beer head on over to patreon and that supports the podcast you're going to get access to the secret podcast 
It's validation that we're going the right direction. It makes me feel all warm and yummy and you get your Christmas bit of good gifts, you know, putting it out the world. So you get something nice back in your Christmas sack off Santa. Christmas sack off Santa sounded. The, something about the alliteration there. Just Santa's sack just sounded kind of creepy, but I'm going to leave it there, folks. It's Tyler Hamilton. Hey, Anthony, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Man, Tyler, I'm delighted yeah. to catch up again. Yeah, good to see you. How has life been treating you? Good, good. Busy. Summit has been quite the undertaking. Yeah. Uh, 30 speakers. It's a bit off more than I could chew. Wow, 30 speakers. Good for you. And I, hey, I like what you're doing. What you did for the tour was awesome. The daily uh, little recap show, that was great. So. You know, I had the yeah. idea for the summit. Uh, I wanted to use some of the leverage from the podcast to reach out to people and cover the idea of performance from all different angles. So I've got like mechanics, chefs, nutritionists, coaches, sports scientists, sports psychologists, all talking about this idea of how do we make the viewer, you know, your average Joe, how do we make them go a little bit faster? Right, right. Ah, good for you. Uh so I want to dive in. I want to today focus the chat, our little chat for the next half an hour or so on kind of your training and coaching philosophy and how, you're, how you train as an athlete versus how you recommend athletes train at the moment. So were you kind of a, a miles or an intensity guy back in the day? Uh, let's see, you know, both, both. I started uh, just, you know, when I was a young professional and what I was first year pro in 1995 and then, you know, first, you know, arrived in the big leagues, basically at the, you know, Tour de France level in 1997. And back then I just basically do what my peers were doing, you know, the older veteran riders. And I was like, they call it LSD long, slow distance, you know? So it was like, you know, very much like how many hours did you do today? It didn't matter really how fast or but how many hours and just putting, you know, putting in a lot of miles, you know, every week. And, uh, but then later in my career, I started, uh, you know, with the help of SRM started doing uh, really specific work, um, intervals, so many intervals and, uh, either, either training really hard or training really easy, really hard, really easy. I actually um, had that, really helped that and that changed my career. You know, I, I became a real bike racer after that. Once I started doing the hard work, I had uh, Sebastian Weber on the summit and he was one of the really early dudes to use a power meter. And he was saying he almost got a chance yeah. to work with you at one point, but it fell through and it never happened for him. Okay. I don't know when that was. Yeah. I don't know. He said, uh, cause I was telling him you with, were on the uh, summit. With that, sorry. With SRM? With SRM. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know Uli Schober, you know, the founder of SRM and he's an old friend of mine. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I first used the SRM when I was on the U S national team, you know, uh, Chris Carmichael was my coach and Dean Golich. And yeah, we used the SRM for part of that, the 94 season. And then, uh, it was kind of put away for, I think, uh, three or four years. I think I picked it up again in 1998 and, uh, yeah, it made a real difference, you know, when you're, when your uh, career is, you know, bike racing, you know, to have, to have that kind of data, data is a real difference maker, you know, you can really fo focus on uh, just keying in on the numbers you need to focus on, you know, you know, and a lot, a lot was like on just RPM, your cadence, you know, where I didn't really ever think about that before. 
And when you're working with athletes now, do you, do you still think there's a place for long, slow distance or are you all about the parameter and all about the numbers now? Oh, no, you know, we, you know, we mostly work with like weekend warrior types, people with, you know, uh, families, busy jobs and all um, just busy life lifestyle and, you know, having a, a small little chunk of their time, you know, dedicated to the bike. Um, we certainly like using the numbers and all that, but we also like, you know, step away away from the numbers doing some uh time on the bike without really just focusing on the, on the way you feel without looking at uh all the data because sometimes you know think about it when you wake up in the morning i know your morning's a little bit different than most people's answer, <laughs> but like and i like i like your routine uh, but for a lot of us you know it's like boom you wake up in the morning get a cup of coffee as you're reading all these text messages and emails coming in you're like all day long you're you know, data, data, data. So sometimes we have clients that, you know, it's good for them to take a step back and, and, and just go out and enjoy the bike, maybe ride by feel, you know, ride, ride, ride on perceived exertion. I got to get you on the morning routine. Uh, I, you know, um, you know, you got me partially on the routine. I like it. I like it, but, uh, but you seem like you're pretty disciplined and uh, that's, you know, that's, that's my goal. You know, I, I try it even if I rode this morning, I left the house at 8 a.m. and I woke up at like 7 a.m. And it, like, even though it was rushed, I still tried mm-hmm. to get in like cold shower, some red light therapy, a little bit of meditating and a small bit of journaling. And it's yes. like, do you know, when you start up a computer, it takes a little bit to get going, like that boot yeah. up sequence. I feel like I need that boot up sequence to get going. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's, uh, no, but it's important to kind of, slice out a little part of your day, especially at the beginning to, uh, you know, just do some mindfulness, mindfulness techniques. Right. And, um, you know, it can really change your outlook on the whole day ahead. You know, and some days, some days I really dread my day ahead just cause I have a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, when you can start out really on a, with a nice fresh foundation, I think it's super helpful. I think especially energy, especially because we all spend so much time now looking at screens and looking at WhatsApp and, but you're good on WhatsApp. Like I've texted you a couple of times and I'll text you on like a Friday and it'll say on your thing, like Tyler was last online on like Tuesday. <laughs> like, whoa. You know, yeah. You know, I don't check WhatsApp so much. I mean, mostly it's like I've, my connections over in Europe and I don't know, most of my stuff is here in the States. So I'm like, uh, yeah, but I, 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 I probably should check WhatsApp more often. But, um, <laughs> I wish I could say I was checked out that much, but no, I'm, I'm pretty connected. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't and, even really do, so, I barely do any social media anymore. I don't even have time for it, really. I mean, I uh, guess LinkedIn, LinkedIn a little bit. Thinking about, uh, again, contrasting like the, what you used to do versus what you recommend to the clients. Uh, the role of cross training, uh, I suppose specifically we start out with running because I know cycling is yeah. such a low impact sports and the bone density is a huge issue. Was running something you done as a pro? Is it something you yes. recommend now to clients? Uh, I did it as a pro and I failed miserably every time, you know, I'd always get injured, you know, I'd spend like, you know, 10 days, like without doing anything, you know, initially, like, you know, you want to do your off the bike time. But then I'd get itchy and I'd be like, oh, I'm gaining too much weight. So I'm like, I'm going to go run, you know, and I'd still have this, you know, great fitness from cycling. and I'd run too long and probably too fast. And every time I'd get injured. So, um, 
I think it's a great cross training activity, but super important if you're like, you know, very specific cyclist, you know, to run slowly at the beginning, run really slowly in short distances and uh, slowly increase the tempo and mileage. But yeah, if you've been riding your bike all year and doing that only, and then you jump into running, you might feel pretty good, but like, be careful, go slow. <laughs> The next slow, day, slow, slow. I, remember, oh, yeah. I, I felt like I was in a I'd bike be, crash. I felt like I was in a crash yeah, in a bunch yeah. sprint. Yeah, I did it every off season. I injured myself running. <laughs> Just a real, real idiot, you know. But hey, learn by my. I've made plenty of mistakes, so hopefully people can learn from them. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, a good. It's a nice. Uh, you know, it's a nice. Uh, especially, I'd say trail running. If you can get off asphalt or concrete, do that for sure. Um, and, but if you're, if you're stuck on the pavement, you know, uh, you know, maybe just doing some, uh, real, really slow runs early on, maybe a little bit, even on the treadmill, but just, uh, maybe run a little bit, walk a little bit, run a little bit, walk a bit, a little bit, but a real slow transition into it. Cause, uh, yeah. Um, what would you try in like reasons, one run a week but, uh, for a client at the moment? Like one run a week or would you think, would you to start? To yeah. Maybe to start, maybe to start or two really short ones two really short ones and just with some walking and inter intervals of walking as well. I hope yeah. again, sticking with that again, back then and now team again on strength and conditioning, uh, something you used in the past, something you still advocate, something you recommend to clients. Yeah. We like getting our clients into the weight room, certainly in the off season, some uh, really throughout the whole year, you know, depending on their goals and, <clears throat> and their body type and all that. Um, but yeah, it can, it can be, you know, and especially as, you know, athletes get older, you know, they're losing muscle mass. So uh, yeah, typically we like to have people get into the weight room. And do they work with like a local strength and conditioning coach or is that something you prescribe as well and say that I'm looking we can to give it, we, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we give them an, like the type of it, the type of exercise, how to do it. Um, you know, some choose, some have experience in the weight room so they can do it by themselves. Others choose to get uh, like a, a coach to help them at least initially get through the, the first exercises. Yeah. Cause I find it's one of the limitations of working remote on the internet. It's you can't physically show someone an exercise. Yeah. 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 But you know, now you can show them videos and all that. So it's like, everything's getting a little bit easier and easier to, that way. But, uh, but there is nothing like face to face, you know, being able to ride with somebody or go to the gym with somebody or, but, and you know as well, I'm finding this, and it's definitely a team across the summit, because uh, everyone that's new, they want to talk about the physiology of stuff. How do I train? What are the intervals? What's the magic pill? What's this? You know, how do I lose weight? Yeah. But so much of it is, you know, there's a couple of clients, and I've ridden with them, and if, if I looked at their data, I would get one impression of them, but then you ride with them, and you see just like bike handling is a real issue. You know, cornering is a real issue. Just general craft and generally knowing how to look like a pro cyclist and fit into the group. And they just haven't figured those pieces yeah. out and we don't see that in the data. <clears throat> yeah. How to maneuver just, you know, you watch a maneuver just in a small group ride and you can see, you can really tell kind of, I guess what level they're at on the road, at least like bike handling wise, you know, but you don't really, you know, you have numbers for everything, but you don't have a number for like, for that, for, bike handling and how much you know let's like take a peter sagan versus you know someone who's new to to road racing like the difference you know in you know maybe they're just as strong as each other right but like it will take peter sagan like that quick to get from the back of the peloton to the front whereas they'll take 
you know, this new rider, what? They'll never make it to the front because like, it's impossible, right? I watch Valverde. You got to be, like able, be able to thread the needle so many times, and you know, it's yeah, Valverde, like just these amazing bike riders that have, you know, that, that were have been on their bike really since they were just kids, and and uh, you know, I know Peter Sagan got disqualified for that sprint move in the tour this in September, but that was an incredible move. You know, I I never would have, you know. I could never have done that. I wouldn't even have thought about doing that, you know? I mean, you know, it was a little bit too dangerous and he got relegated, but it was an insane move, you know, right? We have uh, locally here, did you ever race against Kieran Power? He's an Irish guy. Uh, he raced in Athens, actually, in the Olympics where you won the gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, incredible rider. So Kieran yeah. still races locally, but I remember saying to a client of mine, because uh, Kieran's low category again, he's, you know, he's not serious. He's just doing it for a bit of fun on his kid races. So he yeah. races the lower categories now. And I was saying to a client, you want to learn how to ride the bunch, just sit on Kieran Power's wheel. Just watch why he moves. Watch, because everything is deliberate. Watch when he drinks. Yeah. Watch when he gets out of the saddle. Watch when he puts his raincoat on. Watch everything. And this is the stuff that's very hard to communicate. But when you see yeah. someone doing it, it's like magic. It's, it is like magic. Yep. It's like this finesse they have. And yeah. He was an incredible bike rider, and I'm sure he still is. I'm sure he still is. Big, huge power, huge power. Big sprint on him. Big sprint on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I but yeah, group. and so, so for all like cyclists, you know, and it doesn't matter what level you're at. You could be the best in the world. It's always good to work on your bike handling skills, right? So like, go into a park, a grassy field, and work on them. Like work on reaching down to pick up a, a water bottle or a tennis ball without without you know stopping your, and, and unclipping. Uh, Work on your wheelie, work on ev all that. Work on like tapping the back wheel of your, of your training partner. You know what I mean? On both sides, work on that. And then they can do the same to you. All that stuff. Like it's, um, you know, I coach some young kids that are what, like 11, 12 years old. And like, we just work on skills. We just work on skills. Cause if they can have that in their back pocket, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. What do they, what do they say? Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Do <laughs> they do little drills in cones and things like that? All that stuff. Yep. Cones. Yep. Oh, I mean, so whatever it is, I mean, just getting off balance, getting uncomfortable being unbalanced. And then, you know, I don't know. It's just beautiful to watch riders like Peter Sagan just maneuver their bike. They're really just one with their bike. And it's, uh, and yeah, you can't really put a number on that, but that I guarantee you that that gains him so much. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of his results are based on just that insane skill. And I remember getting just an insight into how good Sagan is. I've never actually raced against Sagan, but I used to race the U.S. crits every week. Sure. And yeah, that's right. United Healthcare were the big team there. So with like five laps to go, Healthcare had hit the front in the blue train. They turn up the heat and like basically whatever position you were in, like it, you couldn't yeah. move up one spot. And yeah. like this happened to me every week. You know, I'm in P20, they turn it on, I finish 20th position you maybe some of our guys drop out whatever maybe i finished 15th but basically impossible to move up and then i watched i think it was like tour of alberta or something where united healthcare rode it and sagan also raced it so like 4k to go healthcare hit the front and they turn on the heat and i'm watching it on tv and i'm thinking oh this is a familiar saying here they go they're just going to deliver the guy sagan's just riding along basically like he's riding to the shops and he's riding along and he's kind of looking over his shoulder. He's flicking in his pockets. 
Uh, he flicks onto the back of the healthcare train, and I'm like, oh, he's not, they're not going to let him up there. Flicks into like third place in the healthcare train, just a little nudge into the train. And I'm like, he's just going to sit here and he's going to sprint against the guys. Like a K to go, he just comes up and he chops them on the corner. All the guys panic. They slam the brakes. Sagan wins. Like he barely sprinted. He just like across the finish yeah. line. It was incredible yeah. to watch. And it just highlighted yeah. the difference in skills as you go from level to level. Because I was struggling to cope with the skills that healthcare had. And then healthcare were just so outclassed by Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never learned to, I mean, I was at a high level, but I mean, I, you know, I learned to, you, you're forced to learn to like be able to descend fast enough and all that. But man, I mean, I, I had plenty of crashes and all that, like learning, you know, I kind of started late in my, like I had a late start to my cycling career. So, so that stuff didn't come naturally to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, Peter, Peter Sagan and riders like that are just, it's fun to watch. I mean, all the sprinters, you know, I think Robbie McEwen, like he was incredible to watch. And I think a lot of them like had either BMX backgrounds or maybe a little bit of motocross backgrounds. So do you still, uh, honestly, if you were a, a, like a bike, if you're, especially if you're like a mountain bike rider, like, you know, learn to, they're a little bit dangerous, but learn to ride like a motocross bike or a BMX bike. Like that'll help you in, in spades. Really. Do you still group ride? Um, for a charity event once in a while. Yeah. I did one, uh, like two, uh, two weekends ago. Yeah. Yeah. It, but yeah, small group rides and mostly, you know, you know, more of a weekend warrior than me. It's been yeah. a big pet peeve of mine for a while. And I've uh, said on a good few of the podcasts, the, the group ride nearly fallen apart because when I remember when I started, oh, the group ride was like this sacred thing. And you know, yeah. you, it wasn't judged by speed. Even if you're the fastest guy there, you had to learn the rules of the group ride. And the older guys would take you under their wing and they tell you, you know, don't overlap wheels, don't flick your bike back when you're standing. They yeah. tell you like yeah. how to riding, you know, riding two by two, right? Exactly. Like right. riding close it's, together. Sure, sure, sure. And not half wheeling and yeah. all that. Yeah. And, but, I feel like uh, all that's been thrown out the back door. Like it seems like cycling etiquette's changed a lot. And it you know, really does. It's, yeah, it's different. I mean, I, and yeah, like you said, like all the veterans would put you in your place quickly. It didn't matter how strong you were. Um, they would put you in your place quickly if you were acting like or riding like a you know, so-called idiot. And the thing was, you could go because I moved in from Ireland to France and I went in. I didn't speak any French and I went straight into a group ride there. And it's like its own language. The group ride has this beautiful flow to it. And we all understand we're going to chill out through the towns. We're going to accelerate. We're going to, you know, push the pace on the climb. And it's no halfway. And it's just this mutual agreement of pushing the the pace. But I don't know how we get back to that. And everyone also looks out for each other, you know, flat tire, everyone stops, you help them help he or she fix the, fix the tire. Everyone kind of chips in, boom. And I don't know. It seems like these days, you know, one person's going for a Strava segment and this goes this way and one person is a flat tire and like the group rides get exploded so quick. And I don't know. The like, last group ride I like that I did with like, you know, some pretty serious riders was probably uh, out in like the San Francisco area. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was a bit chaotic. It was a bit chaotic, but it was interesting to watch it and observe like, you know, everyone is doing something different, but it didn't seem very cohesive and, and group rides don't seem like that. And anymore. do you feel, it, it, do, you, do you still stick your hand up and say to guys, don't do it that way? Um, I mean, at some, sometimes, sometimes, but you know, 
it's a different age. I mean, we're, it's 2020, you know, it's not, it's not 2001 or, and now Strava exists. And some people like they don't have much time to, you know, get out on a ride, like, like a long, long, like say four hour ride. And maybe they want to, they've been gunning for this Strava segment. So kind of, you know, let them do their thing. But, you know, once in a while, yeah, it's, you got to give some tips on like maybe on the proper way to ride two by two. Cause when you're staggered, it staggers everybody else behind. And that's a pain in the butt, right? Yeah. And then, when, you know, when they're flat tires, like, hey, we all stop and then let's all chip in and help, you know, he or she fix this thing and get going again. You know, more of a, I like riding as a team. And it's uh, fun. Let's, let's touch on weight loss, either, because we spoke just before we came on and you're almost 50, if you can believe that. Oh, man. And, yeah, but you haven't put on any weight. Like, you look like oh, you're yeah, in almost yeah. rate shape. No, no, I'm not. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, I try to get some, you know, extra, I try to get some, I try to get outside every day, you know, more so lately it's running a little bit of, I guess, jogging, slow running on trail. I have a, a mountain right behind my house. I try to run up. So it's kind of, it's a quick, fast kind of workout, but yeah, do some yoga cycling once in a while when I can, you know, I don't know. I stopped eating meat. I, yeah. Did a, I've been on like a plant-based diet for the last like five years. It's not helping. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I don't. I just like it. I feel better. Yeah. Um, so for I'm just, uh, but yeah, I'm not trying to be really. I don't, I'm not like training or anything like that. But just trying to stay, you know, fit enough to feel healthy and and happy. You know. Uh, so yeah. for someone watching, that's like because I feel like a lot of our people watching this are maybe carrying somewhere between five kilograms and ten kilograms more than they would like what are the kind of strategies they can use to start shifting some of that weight? Yeah. You know, watching your sugar intake, you know, I, I think a lot of us, myself included, probably eat too, a little bit too much sugar. And if you, uh, you know, start reading the labels a little bit and maybe start you know, making better choices there, you know, grabbing an apple versus, you know, three cookies or something like that. You know, that's always great. And that helped me a lot. Like, you know, make just before you fully crack and, you know, eat, whatever six oreo cookies you know making the smart choice grabbing an apple you know it takes a little while to eat an apple right drink a little bit of water and then you know before you know it you're not even hungry anymore so uh things like that yeah also yeah drinking a lot of water staying hydrated a lot of us are, don't drink enough water throughout the day we start our day out with three or four cups of coffee and then you know anthony i know you one of your habits is like getting up and drinking a bunch of water, right? Super yeah. important. You haven't drank water in what? At least eight hours, probably. Not really uh, important. Really important. And yeah, I find that my body's just crying out for it. And I mix in a little bit of salt with it as well. And yeah. a little yeah. bit of lemon. Uh, and it's just, mm. it's like a cool way to start your day. Because your body is yeah. dying for it. It doesn't want that caffeine straight away as much as we want to give it the caffeine straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's nice. It's like warm water and lemon. Oh. I mean, it's probably, yeah, it's nice. I don't know. Maybe it shows my age, but it's like a nice kind of way to start your day. Uh, but yeah, other things, you know, eating a lot of vegetables, you know, watching how much, you know, uh, you know, meat and dairy you eat. You know, I don't think you need as much as they say you need. Um, but yeah, the big, and like, you know, when you go to the grocery store to, you know, buy groceries for the week, don't go when you're really hungry, you know. And when you get to the grocery grocery store, you know, make smart choices. Uh, 
Because if you don't have it at home, it's going to be hard to get to. You know, once in a while, like everything in moderation too. Like if you if you if you need ice cream, like you go, you go get it. But, and you know what I started doing that works uh, quite well yeah. for me. So I was doing a weekly shop, but I wasn't doing it every week. So it was the gap in between. So maybe I was doing a weekly shop, but I wasn't. I was only doing it every ten yeah. days. So it's that three yeah. days in between where then maybe I ride in the morning. Yeah. 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 Right. And you're like, oh, I'll just order pizza or this or that. Yeah. And again, everything in moderation, nothing wrong with pizza, but like, do you need it, you know, every week? I don't know. And it, I, yeah, what I started doing was, I'm not sure if you guys have it in the US or wherever viewers are watching, but I started doing a recording order on my supermarket. So every Monday is my rest day. They drop off food and it just comes every Monday now. That's great. And That's I hate great. going to the grocery store. So win, win. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. Uh, Tyler, when you're looking at your clients at the moment and broadly sort of that same avatar of your, you know, your time crunched weekend warriors, what's the yeah. biggest mistake you're seeing from them? Um, yeah, you know, always feeling like, uh, you know, they don't have enough time. So they get up when they jump out on the bike, just riding maybe too hard, riding too hard. And then when it comes time to do the intervals we're asking them to do, and you know, some of these intervals are like incredibly hard, you know, they're at, they're only at 80% because they've been, you know, riding too hard. And, um, at other times when we, when we ask them to do to ride easier, you know, a lot, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And so there, you know, certain interval intervals, we only have uh, our clients do them when they're really fresh, you know, but if they're always kind of on the on the gas kind of thing, they're never really fresh enough to uh, com complete these intervals like the way we want them to. Yeah, no, I was uh, when I was thinking right, about that question, it's the exact same I see. It's uh, and it's quite intuitive as well because you think oh, I've only got an hour for this ride, I need to go out and make the most of it. But you just end up riding around in zone three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we have. Yeah, but so I mean, of course, you can understand why. You know, but, but yeah, it's in a way it's, they need to kind of slow down, listen to their coach. Right. And, and believe that like what we're getting, you know, we're giving in them this, uh, you, you know, this uh, coaching program out of, you know, cause we've, we've learned, learned ourselves. And, you know, sometimes they, you know, they want to do the intervals and they want to ride hard in between and, you know, typically it doesn't mix well. You know, you could just be a lot more efficient with your with your training if you if you look, kind of listen to your coaches, I guess. But uh, do you recommend fasted rides? Excuse me. Do you recommend fasted rides going out without breakfast? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Once in a while, I would do that. That's um, and I did that a little bit as a when I was a cyclist. Um, but man, those are hard. Yeah, uh, not that often, but every once in a while. And you know, depends on the athlete. Depends on the athlete. Some, you know, we have some athletes that are you know, that need to gain five pounds. We have some athletes that are, you know, need to lose five pounds, but um, when yeah, it depends across... on their goals and all that, but that's a hard one, you know, going out without, without, uh, with what, just black coffee. And I remember doing that myself. Like, oof. It's hard. That's I don't painful. know. I, I had a fasted ride this morning and. Oh, you did? I, I three hours fasted and then the last two hours fueled and I got to oof. the coffee shop like after three hours and fuck, I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. How much did you eat? 
when I got to the coffee shop, I had a good bit yeah. of food at the coffee shop. Okay, good, good, I good. got some cake, I got a sandwich, got myself a coffee. Right. But we have a lockdown going on here at the moment. So oh, that's right. you can't go into the coffee shop. You can only sit outside like on the wall, which is pretty shit. Like you're riding in the cold and then you're sitting outside in the cold. So you're just trying to scoff it and get going as yeah. fast as you can. Yeah. Wow, good for you. Five hours with a three-hour fast. Man. No fun. No fun. Um, someday I want to go over there. We've got to do the great, what's it called? The, uh, no, the Wild Atlantic Way. Man. Oh, yeah, we're doing it. It's that's, on. That's incredible. Yeah, it's on. It's on. It's on. I'm, yeah. We're, we're going to talk after the show, and we're going to hook that up. Okay, I like it. I like uh, it. Last question for you, Tyler. Uh, when you look across you know, your pro career, when you look at guys that succeeded and guys that didn't succeed and now thinking about that same sort of what separates them. Is that the same thing that separates clients that you have that succeed and don't like, what is that? What is, I'm trying to get at, you know, that French saying the je ne sais quoi, the X factor, what is that thing that makes successful from unsuccessful? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was that deep desire like to succeed and um, you know, some, I feel like we all got up to that level and then there were some, uh, some that, some that really made those last sacrifices and others that didn't, you know, um, not to say the ones that didn't, you know, maybe their results weren't as good, but who knows, you know, maybe they were happier because of it. Maybe because maybe they chose to spend more time with their family or do family outings. You know, I'm thinking about like, for example, like maybe a French teammate who would go home, you know, in between the races and spend, spend time with their fam, you know, their family in the little village they'd live in. And whereas, you know, we in, living in Toronto, we were these Americans, you know, we'd live like monks the whole week, you know, at home, you know, we didn't really have family around to distract us. So, um, and with your clients now, is it the same thing? Uh, yeah, Isn't I mean, that just they're, they're the, the guys that embrace the social side? Well, I mean, it's everything in moderation, right? I mean, we're not saying don't be social in our, like that but the, you know the ones that really are dis super disciplined and they listen to the training they do the training to a t you know it's like i mean in a way it's like homework here's your homework anthony you know go out do that today come back you know send me the file you know if they have power data and send me that file we'll take a look you know i the ones that are really successful are the ones that do it do the training to a t um and pretty much you know what you're going to get every time you know they're going to be out there you know, that's the way I like to, to train when I was a racer, you know, I'd go out there. I mean, I would do it like it was, um, you know, I would do the training like it was, you know, like a test and I would be proud to send, send the file to my coach. That's a and, good, uh, I think that's a very good tip. And I know it's something yeah. that uh, a former teammate of yours actually used to coach me, uh, Mike Barry. And, oh yeah, nice. nice. Uh, Mike is a good guy, but I remember he yeah. he had this phrase and he named his book after it, Le Metier, and it's just that it's the work ethic, it's the craft, it's the kind of the pride in the craft. And I I always think about that when it's like that expression, like if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And that's like you were saying, like you should almost be proud to send the file to the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an yeah. absolutely amazing tip. Tyler Hamilton, thank you for joining. Anthony, good to see you. Yeah, keep up the good work. And uh, yeah, always a pleasure to talk with you. Legend. Chat down, Tyler. 
Hey everybody, it's Anthony again. Really quick, I want to invite you to join arguably the best thing I've ever put out inside the Roadman community. It's a challenge. It's a challenge called the 14 day kickstart challenge. So regardless of where your fitness is at right now, this is going to be the catalyst for making you faster and making you leaner. I've created this challenge to take the guesswork out of everything. It's 14 days of training plans, regardless of what your level is. There's masters, beginner, advanced. There's meal plans, shopping list, and even a video course holding your hand and talking you through it all. So what I recommend you do right now is just stop everything, press pause on this audio, and go to roadmancycling.com forward slash 14 day, or check out the link in the bio. That's roadmancycling.com slash 14 day.